0: What time is it?
1: Rumble time
0: Rumble time?
1: Ra-ra-rumble
2: time You're listening to Rumble Talks
1: Your weekly dose of candid conversations on issues that truly matter I am Jonas maritong
0: Bloom. I'm Shantel Nieto
2: And I am Sikias Hinas In this episode, let's talk about dignifying waste Let the Rumble begin Hello, Rumblers! What's up? It's CK. Welcome to another episode of Rumble Talks. It's actually our third episode of Rumble Talks, and here we are talking about waste, waste disposal, waste management, waste collection, and everything waste. So, kamo kayo, Jonas, Chantel. Nung balita na tinsan.
1: Well, hi CK, Chantel, and good day to all listeners out there. Uh, masasabi ko lang, oof. Waste, yes. damning possibilities. Just that.
0: That's true. I've always been a fan of the different ways by which we could not just recycle, but also reuse and reprocess waste. Like that's always been one of my favorite talking points or starting points when trying to think of projects all the way back from grade school. It's always, how can we use all of these different wastes we have? Great, Make them new products. So this is very exciting.
2: It actually brings me back to when I was still in elementary, you know, when uh, our schools and even our teachers were teaching us about proper waste disposal, the reduce, reuse, recycle method, right? And also segregating trash. And this is actually a very, very timely episode also because, of course, we all know that waste disposal, waste management, waste collection, everything waste, are really it is really important to talk about given that of course globally there is a growing issue about waste and it's simply undignified so to speak, right? So I could just remember you know us being taught about you know being responsible about how we throw trash, how we uh, or for example if. There are plastic bottles, how we can actually reuse them or recycle them to repurpose them into something else. Or say if we have those uh, steel cans that we that we use that we, how we how can we uh, re- to get how can we give them another life instead of just throwing them away? So those are really interesting to talk about, and I'm just glad that we touched on this topic. And I'm sure that uh, even our listeners are really keen on listening more or knowing more about this or what we can do to curb the waste issue. And so transitioning to our very first talking point, going back to our very first episode where we essentially explored more about Philippines having a really poor waste management system. And that is largely because of the lack of infrastructure and also the outdated policies that we have right now as expounded on by our guests. One of which is Angela Aquino. So she is uh, with Project Iwasto by DOST and she is also climate reality leader. And she pointed out that our RA9003 which is the Solid Waste Management Act, is now 21 years old, but then it's still outdated. She also pointed out that uh, we realized that from their studies, that the enforcement for waste management is not really uh, implemented really well. And there's uh, mismanagement in terms of you know handling our dump sites, how LGUs are actually participating in this uh, Waste Management Act, how they themselves are equipped or inequipped in handling trash or what's all together. And even the, the material recovery facilities, uh, Angela mentioned also that the The average ratio of material recovery facilities in barangays in Metro Manila is roughly 0.71. That is coming from the 10-year solid waste management plan during 2014 by the LGUs in Metro Manila. Given this, you know, it's a really interesting fact to know given that every barangay are required to have their own MRF but only select barangays have. And those uh, barangays are those that tend to have the resources, the bankroll, or the manpower, so to speak, to be able to deploy those systematically. What does that leave the others, the, the neighboring barangays that do not have sufficient resources? They would just rely on these material recovery facilities. They would just share them with those barangays that own them or have them. So essentially, you no know, overloads, or should I say, does not give them these locations the enough facilities to process all those trash systematically. So I'd like to, to get your thoughts, guys, on this, you know. Let's start with you, Jonas, because, of course, you have also worked with Angela, and I presume that you guys are talking about this very often, you know. What's your take on this particular side of the issue?
1: Just to pick up a story, the first time I learned about Republic Act 9003, I was in my third year in high school. It was a requirement, apparently, of our... City to put a lecture on solid waste management to high school and elementary school students on the law itself and what it entails and what we could do as citizens apparently or up citizens of the country to to implement nine zero zero three Republic Act nine zero zero three and the thing is it's already more than twenty one years old the law as it is is not exactly outdated but not implemented properly. In the provisions, if you look at the the rules, they're quite simple. I don't know if it's because of lack of political will, or is it lack of enforcement, or lack of awareness with all the local communities, because the law is really, really clear. And it could also stem back from our... Culture, The Filipino culture on waste is not really good when it comes to waste management. And then again, I don't know. Shantel, what do you think?
0: I actually heard it said that the Philippines is one of the countries with the best written laws in the world for a number of laws and sectors. Like on paper were really, really good. forgot who said it, but it was in an academic setting. The problem, and I don't doubt it, I don't doubt it. The problem is the way we implement it. the infrastructure that's present the extent by which people are either incentivized or forced into following the regulations and perhaps the practicability of when things get blurry and iffy. But of course that's not to say that there's nothing to be improved within the current laws and regulations that we have. As Jonas stated, there's a lot to be updated. So I think this just goes to show that it's not necessarily that the case that the laws or the regulations are poor, but perhaps this is just to emphasize the need to contextualize and refine it better so it actually works on the ground. Yeah. Perhaps that's a good
1: starting point. Mm -hmm. I think what Chantal is trying to uh, say is that we're good in thinking about policies, but when we talk about implementing those policies, it gets skewed Yes. in favor of, I don't know, probably practicalities because a perfect law... (laughs) In essence, cannot be applied anywhere. The thing with our laws, I guess, is that we need to be more flexible with the situations per region or per, per location. And maybe that's the major flaw of the Solid Waste Management Act. We deemed it as like a, a very good, almost perfect law. And yet, when we try to implement it on the ground, malay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: pero, pero, actually, I have this, uh, I have a question about it. You know, maybe because it also comes down with people generally not really experiencing the negative effects of the lack of implementation. I'm not sure if that is the case or if that is how the authorities see it. Pero kasi parang, mm. I'm not sure if you guys have, have felt it. For example, okay, the, the stats show that we have insufficient material recovery facilities in Metro Manila. I'm, I'm not sure if you ask anyone, your capirpahay, your neighbors, hey, have you sort of like Felt that we have less material recovery facilities. Have you felt like we are not processing trash that much, or bakana go overload tayo ng waste, ng garbage? Esan kaya yon. Parang hindi. Parang, well, I'm not sure where it, it exactly goes, and that, I think that is also something I should learn more. I, I should study more. Pero how about you guys? Have you felt in a way that, para siguro yung trash natin in a way na. It's not being collected or not every trash is being collected and processed thoroughly.
0: Like something that you mentioned and it got me thinking about how. It's not necessarily that the people don't feel that we have a problem with trash. I just think that the people who generate the most trash aren't the ones who are feeling it. It's the same thing with the climate crisis. The people who generate the most emissions aren't the first ones experiencing the negative impact 'Cause here in the Philippines, say the large corporations, especially those at the top making the decisions, do you think that their houses are dirty or that they live in areas where waste management is an issue? The same goes beyond the corporations. If we look at the decision makers, the ones calling the big shots, they're even higher middle class to upper middle class people who have a lot more stuff than mm. majority of the population, and essentially perhaps more waste. As a result, they're not the ones feeling the bulk of the impact of Mm. improper weight management. It's the ones at Payata, at Smoky Mountain, who feel it the most. So there's definitely a disconnect, as we mentioned, CJ. Definitely a disconnect. In the
1: case of commercial buildings and condominiums, you don't feel it <laughs> because apparently yeah. there's a separate system for large establishments compared to residential and small commercial properties which follow the LGU's guidance. But overall do we really have a very good guidance from all of the LGUs? It's not clear. I mean the, the, the research is not really pointing to good implementation or good governance. There is a study that was released by Philippine Institute of Development Studies recently that said a lot of the LGUs in the country need to catch up Mm. on implementation because they found it to be lacking or none at all. (laughs) And this is troubling because the law is old and it's going to be replaced soon but I'll go with that on the the next segment. Mm. The point is, it boils down to whether or not we know about it I guess, and and how we could really contribute because people would definitely love to contribute to solving this
2: problem. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think a really good step that we have we are already taking right now is educating essentially the young people to to consume less, and I think that there is this uh, emerging notion of a minimalist lifestyle. Where you own less, consume less, it's a way for you to also find sanity in in, in owning less and not really basing your happiness, begging your happiness on material things, on buying more and consuming more. And I think, you know, just the byproduct of this is really also, yeah, consuming less or throwing less trash which in a way also helps us alleviate this problem of ours. And it's, I think, you know, the local government units have a lot to catch up also. But of course, I think uh, they cannot do it alone. I think the mere fact that uh, there has been a problem with implementation meant that I think for certain LGUs, the mandate is not that clear because it's supposed to be, I'm, I'm sure that it's supposed to be implemented nationwide with certain guidelines but then of course I'm not sure if how comprehensive it is when it goes down to the to the LGU in a way that they could actually understand and how to really effectively do it and for example how can they Build it. What else needed are needed to secure? Uh, what they can do today, how they can make the first steps in order to do that, how they can prioritize their budget, all the resources that are needed to really build their own material recovery facilities and abide by the RA nine zero zero three. This is also where this news of DNR wanting to update the Solid Waste Management Act come in, where Senator Sherwin Gatchalian wants to push the waste-to-energy framework to be included in RA9003? Like, how can we turn waste into energy? I'm sure that you guys are also interested about energy. Jonas, you are into renewables, right? I'd like to also get your thoughts about this. How can we produce energy from waste? And if so, if we do that, will it be a good supplement to our current energy supply? Or would it replace? Or would it at least an alternative in order for us to possibly consume less electricity generated from fossil fuels or whatsoever?
1: When you talk about waste to energy, there are multiple routes. But I'll cite for the purposes of simplicity three routes now. The first is the you directly burn your trash. And there was a facility, I think in the 80s or 90s, in Metro Manila that did that and if you happen to pass by cavitex you know from from pitex to the start of bacoor it's between those two facilities i remember going to cavite in 1999 i saw this big big waste to energy factory and, and i was like mm. oh wow there's something like this here but it was banned because of the clean air act in 2014 i believe no oh, no before that i think it was 2008 somewhere along those lines. So it really shut down uh, that facility. And the proponents nowadays of the uh, Waste Energy Act said that if we're going to do incineration, it has to be higher than 1,000 degrees Celsius Mm. because it will form from solid to gas, which in a scientific perspective, I would agree. However, the point of that 1,000 degrees is that it has to be maintained beyond 1,000 degrees. And do we have the capacity to do that without disrupting energy requirements from, let's say, be the grid or any other source that could be replaced? That's my concern there. I mean, if they say that it has to be maintained at that temperature, it means also that they're thinking that anything below 1,000 degrees could emit CO2. Mm. And that's already a pollution problem that a lot of communities having coal, for one. Or, or natural, not really natural gas, bunker fuel oil gas plants are experiencing. So that's something that you really need to consider when building something like that, efficiency. The second one is something that I've actually worked with before. It's called anaerobic digestion. So you basically turn organic matter to biogas, which you could use to... Uh, biogas, yeah. Yeah, you could, we could use to clean up and then it becomes... Technically, a natural gas, and then you could use that to power up facilities. That's being experimented now in Batangas with animal byproducts. And I'm hoping that it would be a success because the major advantages of that is that you actually have two products the biogas and a solid product that you could use as fertilizer. And in Europe, particularly in the Netherlands, Germany, and the UK. They use that to help farmers with their fertilizer requirements. Because you don't need to do a commercial fertilizer. You just need to adjust it based on the needs of the soil. Because each, again, each region has its own soil requirements. Now the last one, and this particularly could be useful for plastic waste, is you turn your plastic waste back into oil. And actually I helped out a high school team recently to change or convert used face masks into oil. And they were successful in oh, doing that in Cavite.
2: The Reply Surgical Face Mask?
1: Yep, the three oh, nice. that's surgical cool Face Mask. So they did it in a very crude way. I mean, I wouldn't recommend what they did, but they demonstrated that that could be one solution. The only downside to that is uh, you need to maintain a heat of around 500 to 800 degrees Celsius. I forgot the exact um, temperature, something around that range.
2: So pollution levels.
1: Mm, yeah, in order for you not to produce actually, you know, a contaminant in the oil, and also give off uh, CO two and other toxic pro- um, toxic uh, gases, and it's actually being done as well. Commercially, I think in Rizal province, somewhere in Rizal province, because somebody told me about it recently that there's this, I think it was a junk shop owner or something that wanted to experiment on that. And he was also successful commercially in powering up motorcycles. (laughs) Mm. So it can't just be directly waste to energy. You can... Have a different process where you can use the byproduct or the product itself, the main product itself, to benefit local communities and use it as your source of energy, rather than having 1,000 degrees maintenance that you're not really sure that you could really reach 1,000 degrees. Yeah,
2: we haven't tried that before ever Kasi, ba, because of the Clean Air Act. Yeah, parang we have a mm. guideline. Para meron kayong certain ano lang limit, <laughs> so you can't you can't go over this. So essentially generally we do not know what 1000 degrees Celsius is like yeah I think that would be a that, that would be a risky proposition to try now especially for for communities no or for small-time business owners or small-time project developers or whatsoever so it would be risky for them well except if they had uh, prior experience abroad then they, they would like to bring it here then they have that industry experience and industry knowledge then of course they can do that they can explore possibilities you know be my guest but I like that ano, ah. ang, ang, ang ganda ang galing. kasi meron. we can turn face mask into uh, sources of energy Ang galing. Cause <laughs> Remember guys, pandemic. Okay. Isingit lang natin konti, no? When the lockdowns happened, of course everyone was was compelled to wear face masks. Everyone, governments all over the world are telling everyone to to or imposing rather for everyone to wear face masks everywhere. Ganyan. And, temper Naging concern natin is really the health and safety of everyone. For everyone not to contract or to get the virus, to essentially stay away from those risky circumstances. However, the new issue that propped up after that is the waste issue. Now, how are we going to dispose of face masks? Remember that surgical face masks can only be used once. Or you iba seguro twice, or uh, whole day. After that, you must throw it away because, of course, it's already can- contaminated. It defeats the purpose if you reuse it if you wear it again. So, kumero a virus don na na seguro or kumapit. Sinuot mo <laughs> Ganun din. it. it defeats the purpose on why you wore the face mask in the first place. Yeah, I think it's it's really cool now that na um, know we, we have something like that, and I think that that could be a working business also. Something that is worth funding. Say if you're an investor or if you're an incubation program that's into social enterprises then that's a really nice project to to do and it can even, even be picked up by the government by, by DOST if they intend to really double down on Waste Energy programs So Chantel what do you think about Waste Energy? Because Jonas also briefly mentioned about yung I'm not sure if you're aware which part of Rizal that is I'm not sure if it's in Kainta but Waste to Energy have you encountered any ideas in your speaking engagements in your mga programs that you attended or you've guested in when they talk about waste what were they of doing course. abroad how they convert waste to energy
0: no this is one of my favorite topics because actually my bnb co-founders and i when we were just starting with the house prize our very first idea which of course um, Amaz history show got turned down the week before the competition was one of converting feces or you know, human waste into electricity. So we've done our research, we've learned how to convert human poop into electricity mm. through the, through Basin, I believe. Of course, it got turned down <laughs> a week before the competition, so we had to start from scratch, and that's how BMB uh, the electricity-generating water filtration by platform. So we decided to use kinetic human energy. So mm. not waste per se, but uh, human waste. Kinetic energy. <laughs> yeah, human unrealized <laughs> by uh, your waste. waste into uh, energy. So that's definitely one thing that always comes to mind when the topics of waste to energy come about. But I have seen a lot. I have seen a lot. I've seen organizations turn water hyacinth which is more commonly known as the water lily become biofuel others turn it into charcoal for cooking and so on and so forth for livelihood opportunities so it's one of those magic terms actually in social competition someone's always going to try to convert water hyacinth into something because it is a pest in our rivers and it can um, Mm. cause flooding it can be detrimental to marine life if in bigger quantities. So that's one of those things you usually see. There are opportunities to convert plastic, certain forms of plastic into nylon thread. But yeah, generally waste of energy, I think it revolves mostly around utilizing excrements to turn it into energy or perhaps plastic into biofuel, plants like water hyacinth into biofuel. When I was in high school, we also tried to convert plastic bags into biofuel. So it's very interesting actually to see how so many things, so long as there's a, I think, a pretty good amount of carbon base there, can be turned into biofuel. So very interesting to see. And a lot of people are trying a lot of different things out just to see which ones can work and which can be practical within their setting. One common pattern, I suppose, among all of these different possibilities is always what is that abundant resource in your community that is so present and is so present in such a large quantity that it's become a waste? And how could you turn it into something else? How could you turn it into a raw material for something that can be of use such as energy?
2: Right, right. Really interesting though. I think one of the things that I would just like to note with what you said is water lilies, but they're supposed to be really beautiful, but... They, they cause destruction. They hamper us or they endanger us in times of yan yeah, when typhoons come, they, but they cause flooding and everything. It's interesting how beautiful things can also be destructive at the same time. And so that's just one of the perks of living in this world. No? There are really interesting things that are really worth discovering about. And yes, Andame, there are so many waste for us to be able to turn waste to energy. And I think that is also where we stress the fact that waste should be dignified, right? Waste is a valuable resource, especially if you know how to turn it into something that would serve another purpose, maybe an even better purpose for the community. And one of the examples is energy, right? Energy is really needed today, especially for the communities that are living in far-flung areas. So those are the communities that are hardly reached by the grid. And so they don't have enough energy resource for them to be able to say even just light their homes. And that is really a difficult living condition, especially, for example, if you live in the mountainous areas, then there are no lampposts, no light. You're just depending on the moonlight, which is hardly illuminating whatever is on the ground. So that's one. And then number two, of course, in today's world, we all know the effects of energy made from fossil fuel, uh, electricity made from fossil fuel, and that is actually endangering us. You know, it pollutes the air, it contributes to climate change, and there has to be a lot of ways that we can actually consider in order to replace replace fossil fuel-based electricity, which we could possibly implement home per home at least to augment what they have for them to be able to save. For example, one of the use cases, just a a little bit off topic, you know, solar panels. And then people are starting to, to also, say, have their own batteries installed. Well, the affluent communities or affluent families are already doing this. And that is, I think, already a start now since solar panels are becoming cheaper and cheaper by the day I think that will make it more affordable for the lower income communities to also have them see you know it helps them for example with their electricity bills it's very practical so at night they won't have to rely on the grid they can just switch the power back towards getting that stored energy from solar panels from their batteries or from their mechanisms that they have already installed there so it's really interesting to discover anything that we can actually produce out of waste and yes energy 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 that it's a really exciting thing to see especially when it unfolds even more in the coming years okay and so Coming down to the last talking point, which is about what Jason and Joseph raised in our episode 2 where they talked about how money can be made out of trash. How exactly? Well, Jason mentioned about formalizing and legalizing the employment of waste pickers and systematizing the collection business of junk shops to enable alternative waste collection facilities. And then Joseph also mentioned about empowering the entire ecosystem with modern digital tools to make their operations efficient and bring in more profit to them. And also to enable consumption and disposal data points to individuals and households for them to be encouraged to be responsible and track their own progress in terms of responsible waste disposal. So talking about this, I think it's interesting to see how we can modernize a rather forgotten or discarded part of the waste collection. Because, of course, the waste pickers are underappreciated. I think more often than not, people regard them as, well, simply waste pickers. Parang they find trash. That's it. They just make pennies out of it. But lo and behold, you know, like we've said, if you try to quantify how much they could possibly earn, penny after penny, from the waste that they collect and turn in to junk shops and or to other recovery facilities or recovery businesses that could be a decent livelihood for them you know for for them to at least feed themselves their families in a day and what if we just systematize that what if we include them in the process of innovating our waste management or uh, the waste recovery or collection process you know with digital tools what if we make it Siguro on-demand, no? For example, you make it like, sort of like a grab for, grab for waste. Parang book your own waste picker. You, you The waste picker would come in front of your house. You would just, okay, kuya, ito, pote. Ang bilangan siguro ng bayaran would be, siguro, by kilo, or by weight, or by number, quantity, or also the size of the items that are being turned into. I mean, turned in, rather. So, you know, just that side of innovating a part of the society that's more often than not forgotten. I think that's a beautiful sight to see also. And you just imagine them being included in that process. You're also systematizing and also modernizing their processes. You know, it empowers people. At the same time it also helps with waste collection. Essentially if you can't just rely on mga trucks, they're about to come into your neighborhood and to collect, then you have alternatives. You There are other people that can actually collect waste for you. And that could be a livelihood for them, especially if they don't have jobs. right? So that is what they do. These two, you give them something. You help them. And also Joseph mentioning about enabling consumption and disposal data points. like Bringing those data points down to the household level for even the most normal people to utilize those data points, see themselves being rewarded by just looking at their stats, comparing how they perform, and incentivizing them in in uh, by by doing so it would further help us become more responsible human beings in terms of throwing away our trash or our garbage. And also, for me as a someone from the tech sector, you know, the goal is to really make data more humanized to really transcend from just the consumption of the IT guys to more modern-day, more practical day-to-day use cases, I mean, uses for the most normal people and even the elderly. You'll know that it's really effective if the elderly can actually utilize it to their own advantage for whatever purpose that would be. So, imagine, you know, just this enabling all these data points to all the households out there, just democratizing that access is... I should say, part of the 22nd century that we are looking forward to. Essentially, data is the new oil. And I could not wait to see how the world will turn into when everyone, each and every one of us, even the low-income communities, have access to these toolkits, these data points, these insights. That would just make life much more efficient. And much more livable for everyone especially if everything is now being measured everything now can be measured with data and science but of course I've said a lot of things yet what do you guys think about this you know empowering the waste pickers empowering the perhaps we can call them the underserved in the entire waste collection process and also us even us in our households given that for example you know I would assume that there are a lot of households where the elderly are not very into proper waste segregation given the fact that of course but there is this belief that Ah, okay, pare-pareho lang naman ang pupuntahan yan. Hindi naman yan i-recycle ng mga naku-collectan ng basura. Ganun din sila, ba? Sa so, pagsamahin na lang. Like what, uh, like what Jason said in the first episode natin. What do you guys think about this idea?
1: Okay, so actually efforts are already underway to digitize the common nangangalakal ng basura. And efforts have actually been made like to many pitches like Climathon or there was one I remember for like an event for women in technology that pitched something like that, like a digital app where you contact a parang driver na nangangalakal to pick it up and then they will uh, you don't need to sort it out at the source they'll sort it out for you before they send it to the various parts of their own value chain or supply chain for effective utilization. And it's really becoming a trend because the old pangangalakal system and actually the jump shop system is an innovation that we as Filipinos have but are deemed dirty or not worthy because we look into other Western standards or probably even regional standards that don't have that system. But if you look at it closely, the economics of the Magbubote is actually, it makes sense. And, you know, it's similar to the the tackle system, the the refilling system, where a lot of people are trying to modernize as well. The model works. It just needs to be modernized. And I think a lot more individuals would be thinking about that in 2021 and beyond simply because of the COVID-19 crisis. Chantal, your thoughts maybe on this one?
0: I agree with you, Jonas. I think the system in itself is good but there's definitely room to modernize it just so that it could be better and definitely much more manageable and easy for the people who engage in waste picking segregation it's always nicer if we can make their working conditions a lot easier so there's definitely room for that And as Jonas mentioned, there are already a lot of programs that are being implemented either to kickstart these solutions or to actually serve as solutions. What comes to mind right now is this conversation I had with one of the vice presidents of one of the biggest polluting companies in the world. And as far as moving beverages is concerned, yeah. (laughs) And actually, they are aware of the impact they contribute to in as far as waste is concerned. And what they do is they really try to design their products in order to make it less environmentally harmful. But at the same time, they also rely heavily on this informal economy of waste pickers and segregators. They rely heavily on them. To be able to get back their product containers without these people they find it difficult to again get their containers and um, get their products back and deliver it to their recycling facilities whether it's here in the philippines or abroad what's interesting is actually when a certain regulation i think international regulation was passed that limited or highly regulated the extent by which countries purchase another country's waste in order to have these waste reprocessed, recycled, or whatnot. Something like that happened. And the Philippine branch used to send its waste to the China branch for it to be reprocessed and recycled. But because of that international regulation, the Philippine branch could no longer do that. And because back then, it had no recycling facility of its own to manage the load, our informal sector of Mangangalakal actually took a bite. The price per kilogram of waste surrendered, decreased. And the number of Mangangalakal, the number of waste stickers significantly decreased. And so it became even more hard and more difficult for that corporation to really get back its waste and sort of bring it to its recycling facility. And now that it's created, finally, a working recycling facility capable of handling our container waste, it really needs to activate and grow this informal economy for it, of course, to get its waste back. I think it just goes to show how a lot of people might think that junk shops, Waste pickers, they don't do much or mm. that. They only really get a certain amount. But really, they contribute a lot to the extent by which both the government and corporations are able to continue and grow their own waste management initiative. This sector is very much needed. And hopefully through the solution, some of which Jonas already mentioned being implemented now hopefully through these solutions we make it much easier efficient and effective for this informal economy
2: Yeah, there are lots of things to to talk about there are lots of things to say about waste Well, it's been a part of our lives and whether it's something that you can actually notice or whether the drastic effects of poor waste management is something that you experience day to day or not I think it also pays when you are more aware, for example, with how your personal consumption can actually hamper or endanger other communities that live with the effects of improper waste disposal or improper waste management. Just being mindful of the community overall and how your actions can make an impact, whether that's positive or negative, to the community would actually mean a lot, you know, if you, you know, start being more deliberate about your decisions, your choices, and thinking about how each and every action would affect those people, no? So, yes, I totally agree with all your points, guys, with everything that you've raised. And it really requires every one of us to be responsible and also for us to have modernized tools to enable the informal economy, the the informal workers. And everyone that's part of the process, including us, the consumers, in the process of disposing our waste, right? The waste disposal. Final words before we wrap up this episode. So, because, guys, diba, we all know that there is no silver bullet to any issue out there, because, of course, they have already evolved so much that there's no single solution that can just erase those issues altogether, respectively. But, for example just in an, in an ideal world you know in a perfect world what if there could be one solution to the overall waste issue what do you guys think would it be just one let's start with Chantel
0: um, in a perfect world where in anything is possible yes are you giving me a magic wand or are yes. you just saying <laughs> yes. that oh so you're giving me a magic one. so yes. I can go beyond the bounds of reality Yes, uh, and waste isn't existent, then I would say that it's because we've designed out our system so well that the idea of waste no longer exists. Not because no process or system has byproduct or residues or whatnot, but because we are able to make use of Everything that comes out, as if to say that when we map out the creation of, say, a first use, anything that would have been a waste from that first use is able to be sent out to a different process or a different place, so that it gets used again. So, in a perfect world where anything is possible, I think we'd have that a super perfectly circular system where everything just keeps moving and being used because something that you use is not considered waste. It's not considered a waste because you're using it. And so if everything has a use, regardless of what that is, then there would be no waste anymore. We've eliminated waste, not in the physical aspect of it, Mm. but at this point. I
2: guess that's how I would think of things. That's nice. That's nice, yeah. Circular, yeah, circular economy, everything is really circular. You know, each and every tangible item can go back into the cycle of reproduction or, for example, reuse for, say, bioenergy or whatsoever. And, uh, yes, that is a very, very interesting proposition to see, No, especially in a perfect world where nothing really ever becomes waste they either become something that's repurposed, uh, a reusable item na always guaranteed na okay, after end of life, they would be given new life, definite life after that. And then of course, for biodegradable ways to go into the earth, nurture the soil, be turned into energy. So yes, circular economy, circularity, definitely. But Jonas, ikaw, in a perfect world, if there's a silver bullet to solve all these waste issues, what would it be for you?
1: That's kind of tough because in any given process, there will
2: always be, be waste.
0: magic <laughs> 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 What <laughs> if you You can
2: make everything disappear after that? <laughs> uh, well.
1: Sorry, I guess it's the scientist in me that got me into um, this thinking that there's still waste. But if I was given that silver bullet or that magic wand, probably it would be a 100% efficiency in all All Mm -hmm. processes. Because if you're efficient at that level, ideally, you wouldn't have waste you'd have ideal products so it's more of the processes you'd have products that you would utilize 100% of the time and that creates zero waste in essence Hmm. but then again that's just
2: my dream you know
1: fantasy I guess when it comes to these things
2: interesting yeah Everyone who was, you know, wants 100% of everything, especially if it's really for their own good. So yeah, that's a really strong solution also or strong proposition to that issue. Well, if you guys would ask me, if you would just ask me, no, <laughs> I think, well, for me, siguro, one material to rule them all. Just that. One material, siguro, kasing right now, diba, the most common material that we have been producing for whatever item that would be is plastic. Everything is just made of plastic. Then, of we have other materials such as wood, paper, that be metal, steel, aluminum, gold, or whatsoever. What if we just have one kind of material, super material that can be molded like clay, turn into sort of like molded like a wood, molded like a, a glass, but then it's just one material. So you know, na okay, these are the definite properties, and there is just a very defined select ways. For us to repurpose them. So, for example, if it's molded like a glass, then this is the definite cycle of waste management. Then, if it's molded like an aluminum, then there's this. If it's molded like a, a steel or a plastic, then there's this. Just, you know, in comparison. So, just one super material to rule them all. And, you know, you have these already set definite ways by which we can repurpose or destroy them because of their very defined properties. Cause singular properties lang. Yun na yun eh. That's your only material. So yeah, one super material to rule them out. That would be my silver bullet. It really entails that systematic waste disposal process. And also even production also. So from production to retirement or to waste disposal so this has been a really interesting episode thank you everyone thank you to all our listeners who have tuned in for the entire episode we hope that we also spark your interest or spark your ideas about how we can resolve this waste issue that's been boggling us for quite a while now so yes just make sure to follow our show wherever you're listening so we are on Spotify and Apple Podcast and like our social media pages Facebook Instagram and also join our community for you to stay in the loop and also get first dibs of anything valuable related to whatever we are talking about final words
0: Jonah Chantel there's an opportunity in everything even in weight or what we think of as weight
1: I agree with what Chantel said but you forgot something, CK. Or oh. post things in Medium. Alright, alright. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Good
1: job. You, you know final
0: oh, word. Yoon, you Bagong <laughs> <word. You're, you're.
1: laughs> Bago. Sikki bago. Jonas. us. Go ahead. So Sustain a Rumble in its efforts to expand our discussions on the issues on sustainable development recently launched its own blog on Medium. We usually post our articles on our Sustain a Rumble Facebook page. We hope that you could check it out.
2: All right, so till next time.